Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this edition of Wrestlers with Experience. My name is Mark Morell, known to many of you as Mark Knight, Darkseid's favorite minion, and one half of the most illustrious tag team in the entire multiverse. Dark Universe, Microverse, the whole nine yards. I, along with the world boss himself, King Bumbaye, my tag team partner, Dietrich Davis, we're here along on a ride, and we're coming in here with a brand new episode. And today's episode are my top 10 things that I love and I hate about professional wrestling. This is an extensive list done by yours truly, and I feel that if there was ever a time for me to express my love, my gratitude, and to give professional wrestling a big F you and a middle finger, this is it. But, of course, don't take this lightly and don't take it wrong. I still support professional wrestling. I love pro wrestling. I I live pro wrestling. There are some things that are good. There are some things that are bad. And there are some things that suck. And I'm going to tell you about it. And I'm going to give my honest opinion and view about it. So before we go on, I just want to thank you all for listening to us on your favorite stream. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Our Heart Radio, Stitcher, Podbeam, Castbox, Deezer, Tuned In, and Podcast Addict. So, I have 10 things that I love and that I hate about pro wrestling. And it might be a little biased, and it might not be a little biased, but it's going to be honest. Why? Because it's my love and my dislike for pro wrestling. Now, as I'm sipping out my red cup, like Montez Ford, I'm going to get into the things that I've hated about professional wrestling this year. And once again, I'm going to be honest about how I feel about the sport and what I think about the business is what I would hope to see change for the business for some time to come. Now let me get myself ready. Throw my visual effect on so I can see what's happening. Actually, let me clean my specs <laughs> so I can do this right. All right. Okay, here we go. Started with number 10 because I'm doing this in reverse order. The poor booking of the WWE. Being the top show in the States, the WWE has had both its ups and downs regarding their booking process. Within the midst of the great booking of matches, such as the Boneyard match, and the recent booking of various talents such as The Fiend, Matt Riddle, and others have been pretty bad as of late. I do hope that the WWE will find it upon themselves to reshape the booking staff and get back to solid wrestling. Now they're getting lashed out by USA. About they need to put in more content. That will be tailored towards the adults or whatever. I mean that's fine and good. They can still keep the PG stuff. They can do all these other things. Still market the stuff for the kids. But I have an idea. How about marketing pro wrestling? You market pro wrestling. People will tune in. But yes, you got to have characters. You got to have the over-the-top stuff. 
You got to have intrigue to the shows. You need that. But at the same token, you got to stop feeding people scraps. If I'm coming to a restaurant and I'm looking for a steak, I'm not expecting spam. I want a steak. And I think that the WWE has a lot of beef, but they're busy serving hamburger to everybody that wants steak. Nia Jax at number nine, still employed with the WWE. Regardless to whom she is related to, Nia Jax should have been fired or at least sent back to the PC. No, I do not say this in disdain about Nia Jax, but if you look at her year thus far, outside of winning the World Tag Team Championships with Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax has pretty much injured anyone she was booked against. And of that number, one of those was Kari Singh. And of course, there are other things, including the mimicking of her and Asuka during their run as the tag team champions. And with the recent booking of her using Lana as a table ornament every week, it's becoming monotonous. It's funny. Lana was on a press, not a press, but a, a Zoom conference meeting with a couple of the female talents. And she was talking about how dangerous and sloppy and how... Um, Ronda Rousey didn't respect the business. Anybody looked at Nia Jax and didn't tell her that she doesn't respect the business? She don't respect the legacy of her family and she's busy hurting people? And she's kind of a prick to some of the other females? She needs a reality check. I think that if there was one person Vince McMahon needed to send to the um PC instead of Keith Lee and Otis and all these other guys... Nia Jax should have been at the top of the fucking list. Number eight, the firing of the WWE roster, the booking staff, and talent. Black Wednesday in April was a bad time for many of the talent in the WWE. It was a pretty bad time to let people go. And it was a large number of, people, number of people in the organization. But the WWE had to do what they had to do. They had to cut the fat. But one of the acts that bugged me was the way that they used the fire in a rock star spud and use it as an angle for the Cruiserweight um, Championship Tournament that they did to keep him hired within the company. They used it as an angle. And I think it was horrible. You know, although he came up short in the tournament, he didn't win, but at the end, as he was getting ready to leave and he was saying goodbye and he's shedding his tears, Triple H comes out, gives him a contract that keeps him on the NXT roster. Great for him, but for some of the many others that were let go, I just thought this was a bad taste. And there were a lot of guys and girls that they let go that they should not have let go. But it worked out well for them in the end. Number seven. New Japan's use of the U.S. Championship and the countless briefcase defenses. Now, it's cool to have seen the U.S. title shot briefcase defended on a monthly basis. Kenta has done that from time to time by, after he won the um, briefcase by defeating Finley in the finals of the New Japan Cup USA. He's defended the uh, briefcase against Juice Robinson, Jeff Cobb, and 
he's looking to defend the title against well the championship um condition against Juice Robinson at Wrestle Kingdom. And I think also somewhere down the line, I think Satoshi Kojima wanted a shot. But um whatever the case may be, what I would like to see happen is rather than doing all this, I would like to see Kenta go to All Elite Wrestling and challenge John Moxley. And I would like to see Tony Khan put that match on TV or on a pay-per-view to have Kenta go after John Moxley to defend the title. The U.S. belt has been inactive since February of this year. There's been no title defenses, and we understand why, because of the um pandemic. But, you know, you would think that since they're doing New Japan Strong, maybe that they could do something where they can allow Kenta to go to AEW and go after the U.S. Championship and to bring the belt back to New Japan, or they can also have it defended in the States on New Japan Strong. I think that will work, but they need to do something with this championship as soon as possible or it's just going to become the laughing stock of the wrestling business the junior division for both LA and Japan needs a complete overhaul and in a bad way considering the moves of Will Ospreay and Shingo Takagi moving up to the heavyweight division this year on paper the division looked and felt weak you had a lot of injuries. You had a lot of men out, such as Tiger Mask, Yo, Ryu Lee, and many others were not present during the time of injuries. Yeah, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, he was out. Tiger Mask was out for a couple of months. Yo was out for a couple of months. Ryu Lee couldn't come to the country because he's in Mexico. And the title, the junior heavyweight belt, of course, revolved around Hiromu Takahashi and Taji Shimori. And of course, El Desperado and Kanamaru still hold the tag belts. New Japan need to improve their division. And what's ironic is that most of the juniors for New Japan that they can use, they're in L.A. Rocky Romero, Danny Limelight, um, Clark Connors, uh, TJP, ACH. Leo Rush, you have a lot of light heavyweights or junior heavyweights that could compete in New Japan, but they're over there in Los Angeles, and I think that the um, junior division needs a complete overhaul. Also, ELP, El Fantasmo, who just won the best of the Super Junior Cup, I mean, yes, yeah, Super J Cup, um, he's going to get an opportunity to come back to New Japan, he's going to take on Hiromu at Wrestle Kingdom, and then the winner of that match is going to take on Taji Ishimori for the junior heavyweight title. New Japan, please take advantage of your junior heavyweight division. Please do. Number five is the Me Too movement in wrestling. With the exposure of pro wrestling and sexual harassment, it's been hand-in-hand hand this year. Too many wrestlers have been accused of so much during this time. Any wrestler, male or female, that has engaged in predatory acts against other wrestlers in the locker rooms should never 
be booked again. It's simple. A lot of people been accused. They had their careers altered, changed. People quit. People didn't want anything to do with wrestling. Many of the accusers, who just so happen to be fans as well, accused various pro wrestlers. And it's not looking right. I really think that um, certain people should never be involved in a business again. David Lagana is one of them. Um, it's unfortunate, but I believe that Marty Scurll was on that list. And, I, and Marty's a phenomenal talent. But um, I think it's horrible. He said Matt Riddle is one of them as well. Ligero, a whole bunch of people, man. And I just think it's really, really horrible. Rick Cataldo on the Indies. So many people just doing shit that's not necessary. Listen, if you guys are going to do that stuff, do it not in the business where you are trying to make your money and make a name for yourself. You need to really think about that. I mean, play it safe. Don't do dumb shit. Number four. <sighs> Booker T and his manner towards throwing shade at all of the sisters in the business. Booker T sometimes come across as a dick. And especially to the black wrestlers, the female wrestlers. The telling of Naomi that the fans chanting Naomi deserves better isn't going to help her win a title. She got to do it by hard work and determination and not the fans. I understand that, Booker. Yeah, she has to do it on her own, and she knows that. But if the fans who are supporting Naomi and they want to see her win and get opportunities to become champion and go after the title, go after the tag belts, the SmackDown belt, the Raw belt, fuck, why not? The fans are paying their money. They want to support Naomi. Let them do it. Don't be an asshole, man. Come on. Do you? Could you imagine how many people would have said the same thing about you when you had your run with the tag belts, you had your run with the TV title, the U.S. title, the world championships, the Intercontinental title? Could you imagine how many people could have said, oh, I don't want to see Booker T as champion. I don't want to see Booker T as champion. You're good. You were great. But goddamn, be an ambassador. Be a guiding light. Don't be a dick on the camera just because you still get a check from Titan Sports. That don't mean shit. Help navigate these brothers and sisters in the business book. Don't sit up there and just like talk shit because you don't like Sasha Banks or that, you know, Naomi should be able to, to stand on her own two feet because you did it. Yeah, you had to stand on your own two feet. But you also had Hulk Hogan backing you. You had Nash backing you. You had all these other wrestlers backing you during your time. Come on, man. Like, Lighten up. Lighten the fuck up, bro. For real. Honestly. Booker, I respect you. Two-time Hall of Famer. Six-time World's Champion. Multiple-time Tag Champion. You've done it all. Use your expertise, like how you're training your students at Reality of Wrestling. Use that to help guide and motivate the young men and women, and especially the women of African-American descent. Show him a little more love, dog. Don't be a jerk. Oh, <laughs> number three. Another person who's acting like a dick because he can't get hired. Disco or Inferno. Disco's always shitting on everybody in the business because he can't get booked or get 
a job. Now, let's keep it 100. Now, now keep it a real podcast every week. Disco always shows his disdain to any company that he does not work for or that does not cut him a check. Sure, Disco has his points, but Disco's in need of a job. Kind of like a certain six-bit announcer that I know, but that's neither here nor there. But let me say this about Disco. Disco is a goddamn stooge. I've never never wrestled for WCW, but I know he's a stooge. And a kiss ass. And I don't care what you say. You're one of the reasons why I hate pro wrestling. Because when I tune in and listen to podcasts, I like to hear stuff. But you just come off with such a condescending prick type attitude. It makes me want to just like turn off the podcast and not want to listen to you. But when I hit a clips on YouTube, I just hear this man whining about, oh, Kenny Omega wasn't this and he wasn't that. This was, was never the Kenny Omega from Japan that everybody wanted to see. This, 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 and this. You sound like somebody that I know. Like, cut your shit, Disco. You had your moment. You had your time. Fucking just do what you do. Stop being an asshole. And stop fucking shilling to get a job. You sound like a dick. This might be that episode where people are going to be like, yo, Marcus on fire. You goddamn right. Number two, WWE doing everything in their power, not following pandemic protocols with wrestlers and talent getting sick. And of all those instances, the company can innovate like other companies to help keep talent safe and possibly gain fans back in attendance. Now, WWE likes to tout itself as the leader, the innovator, and all this other shit. For everybody living in the bubble, WWE is the only thing a lot of people know. But how is it that other companies have set precedents for safety, for talent, fans, etc.? And the WWE isn't doing that. Sure, they got the Thunderdome. Sure, they got this. They got that. But look how many people got sick who were NXT talent, who were WWE talent, backstage talent, the works. Everybody was getting sick. And all this so that they can keep things afloat. I would wish that WWE would apply some of these things that other companies are doing so that they can be a success. So they could truly be the world leader. So instead of acting like the world boss, you guys are coming in at a distant second. <laughs> this is why I didn't like that. Number one, the booking of the Universal Championship. With the title changing hands so quick between Bray Wyatt, Goldberg, Braun Strowman, Bray Wyatt, and back to Roman Reigns. The Universal title was a fucking joke. It lost its appeal. And it didn't get its appeal back until the end of the year. Yes, the end of the year. The Universal title is being booked a little better now. For now. And I state that for a reason because... Bray Wyatt... Won the title from Seth Rollins. And it was bullshit. Bray Wyatt went on to lose the belt... 
to Bill Goldberg, it was bullshit. It made no damn sense. Then you said it for Goldberg versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, but we all know what happened. We all know that Roman wasn't going to stay there, wasn't going to work because of himself, so he left. They put it on Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman did absolutely nothing with it. A few defenses here and there, lame defenses at that, but he goes on to drop the belt to Bray Wyatt only for Bray to lose it to Roman Reigns where now Roman Reigns is the hottest thing going in the world of wrestling. And don't get me wrong, I am not a Roman Reigns fan. I'm still not a fan of this man. I'm not a supporter of him. But you know what? I like what the fuck he's doing. And he's bringing prestige to the Universal Championship. This belt has more value now than what it's had since its inception in 2013. And I'm still not a fan. All right. Now that I got the hate out of the way, <laughs> I think I can lighten up the mood and talk about the top 10 things that I loved about professional wrestling. So here we go. Tournaments. I love tournaments. It seemed like every company this year had a kick-ass tournament in pro wrestling. Every company. ROH with the pure title tournament. All of the wrestling with their Eliminator um, tournament and their Women's Tag Cup tournament. All Japan with their um, Champions Carnival. Noah with its uh, navigation tournament. The... Um, the G1, Best of the Super Junior, the Super J Cup, the Young Lions Cup, the G1 Climax, the World Tag League, both the New Japan Cups. I love tournaments. WWE didn't do a tournament this year. No, they did not. But every other company around the world has done a tournament, and I think that this was good for pro wrestling. And what it did was it was able to show and highlight the best of the best. Now, that's what I liked about wrestling. The more tournaments you have, the better the opportunity people can see and appreciate some of the great, great matches. The National Wrestling Alliance and its working agreement with perhaps REW, I mean, well, REW, but AEW and ROH. It's been kick-ass to see talent appear from these promotions to AEW, and I think it's pretty cool. It's a good start for the bridging of the gaps of the business. For example, with um, the NWA kind of being like on a on a halt until they were able to get things back in order, Eddie Kingston, Ricky Starks, Serena Deeb, Thunder Rosa, a lot of these men and women, they've been popping up and they're coming in and they're doing some great things. Also, ROH, they're expanding their talent as well, going to other different places. And I think it's cool that everyone is doing this, working together so that they can bridge the gap. Number eight, empty arena matches, studio wrestling, etc., 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 has been an actual help for pro wrestling. The absence of fans have played a big part on seeing who can work and who can't. ROH, WWE, New Japan, All Japan, 
AAA, CMLL, AEW, and the NWA has done quite a bit of these shows to show how pro wrestling has helped show the good workers from the bad workers. <laughs> it really has. I mean, I'm not gigging all over WWE's product, but there has been some really quality matches on the WWE's end because they've had no fans in attendance. All Japan, WWE, I mean, New Japan, CMLL, and AAA, they've been doing that for some time until they started getting their fans back. AW starting to do that until when they get their fans back. And I'm sure AAA and um, CMLL are working on that to get their fans back as well. But you got to give it to the fact that studio wrestling or empty arena wrestling has been able to show the talents who can work and who can't work. Number seven, indie wrestling's not dead. Even on the indies, pro wrestling can maintain business without the fans. Listen, a good friend of mine's Mike Law made it not only to Botchamania, but made it on the Cornet Experience by doing a tope suicida through a steel chair. And that's my man's right there. But he's making a name for himself. But not only that, but just other pro wrestlers on the indie circuit, they're doing great things and they're making a name for themselves. You know, you got the Pan-African Wrestling Association. They're doing things pretty damn well. Um, a lot of the wrestling promotions on the East Coast are back up and running. The West Coast are up and running. Some of the Midwest stuff, they're up and running. MLW's up and running. Everybody's doing something. So the indies are making money. And they're also doing well overseas as well. All right. Number six. Wrestlers can actually make it without WWE. There's been a lot of wrestlers this, that was let go during the furlough. And they're making cash. They're making money. They're getting booked. For example, Eric Young, Rich Swan, Leo Rush, ACH, Darren Young. Uh, so many former WWE stars are popping up all over the place. Impact. WWE. Excuse me, not WWE. Impact. REW. Um, AEW. I don't, why am I saying REW? What the fuck's wrong with me? AEW. New Japan. AAA. A lot of these wrestlers, men and, fem men and females, they're going all over the world and they're getting booked on these shows and it can prove that they don't need WWE to stand up and to make some cash. You want proof of that? Let's look at um Carl Anderson and um Luke Gallows. Perfect example. The Good Brothers. The last thing they did was the Boneyard match with AJ at WrestleMania this year. The sign with Impact. They're the Impact Tag Team Champions. And not only that, they headlined two pay-per-views at Gallows' home. Talking Shopamania. You can see that on the Fight Network. Talking Shopamania, the Boney Yard match, and part two, Rise of the Cock Torturer. Funny shit. And they're booking everybody. 
Enzo, Chavo, um, JTG, um, the fake nature boy, Ric Flair, um, Hornswoggle, fucking Brian Myers, um, Enzo Amore, Freight Train, everybody's getting booked um, on the show, and it's a lot of interesting shit. So, and then they're expanding their stuff with the podcast. They got alcohol. They're doing all sorts of stuff. You got to give it to them. Anybody who has left WWE, they're making a name for themselves. In fact, freaking Mickey, Mikey Nichols made a name for himself uh, without WWE. And going back to Darren Young, Fred Drosser, just signed with New Japan USA. He's wrestling for New Japan right about now. So that's pretty damn good. Hopefully he'll make it to the main roster. Number five, Talking Shopamania 1 and 2. What more can I say about the Boner Yard match and the Rise of the Cock Torturers? You want to laugh? You need to watch that shit. Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, they're making a name for themselves just by doing their pay-per-views, their pay-per-views, and being that they were Impact, they're the tag team champions of the world. They're also sided with Kenny Omega and Don Callis as they do and reform the Bullet Club here in the U.S. You can't hate on that. All right. Number four, WrestleMania going two days. It took them long enough to do it. It was a long time coming. And I'm glad that they were able to separate nine matches or an 18-card match or a 16-card match and split it into two days. You need it. WrestleMania is big. It was getting big. It was always getting big. It was growing big. And everyone was waiting and wanting for WrestleMania to go two days. They have what it takes to do it. They have what it takes to do it, and it can be done. But, you know, I don't want nobody to say to me, oh, they're the first ones to do a two-day wrestling event. Nope. Go back to Wrestle Kingdom 14. That's the precedent. Two-day wrestling event. It's like Woodstock. I'm trying to tell you. Go to New Japan World, Wrestle Kingdom 14. And then Wrestle Kingdom 15, two days again. Watch what's going to happen. But you don't have to worry about people um, traveling late back home from seeing a wrestling event. Like what happened in 2019 when uh, WrestleMania ran for like damn near 10 hours. People got short attention spans. You think they want to sit there and watch Wrestling like that for so many hours? No, divvy it up. Eight matches, two days. That's how you do WrestleMania. And they did it right. All right. Number three. African-American brothers and sisters in the business having their moments to shine in the industry. I'm a little crazy about this here, but I'm excited. The Hurt Business went from going from non-existent to becoming champions. 
Lashley, Cedric Alexander, Shelton Benjamin going on to capture the U.S. and the World Tag Team titles on Raw. You also got the Street Profits holding the tag belts on SmackDown. Sasha Banks winning the SmackDown title and the tag belts this year and the Raw belt this year. So she, too, is a Grand Slam winner in the WWE. They need to acknowledge that. They acknowledge in Charlotte Flair, but... Oh, I forgot. Sasha didn't win the Divas title, excuse me. Well, she might have. I'm not too sure. All right. R-Truth. Keeping the business of the 24-7 championship alive. And then you got Rich Swan and Moose holding the Impact World titles. New stars such as Kira Hogan and Tanya Steele doing their thing. And then AW, you got women such as Red Velvet, Big Swole, and Jade Cargill. And also on the indies, got a lot of brothers and sisters out there doing their thing. But one brother in particular I'm going to talk about is Darius Carter. Darius Carter, um, definitely killing it on the scene right now. Holding belts all over the place and is in a multi-day run with his current world heavyweight title at the stage of the game. So you got to give props to these brothers and sisters that are making strides in this wrestling industry. Also, um, much love to all my um, Boricua brothers and sisters in the business as well that's doing big, big, big things. So shout out to them. Number two, Roman Reigns, Jay White, Kenta, Evil, Kenny Omega, Bray Wyatt, FTR being ranked the top heels in the business while Naito, Hiromo, Okada, John Moxley, the Bucks, New Day are the top baby faces in the wrestling world. It's simple. Let's look at that list. While <clears throat> Roman Reigns is the top heel in North America, the number two guy is Jay White. And I state that for a purpose, right? Kenny's just getting his legs, being the cleaner once again and the collector of belts. Evil went on to win the New Japan Cup and the Double Crown title. Kenta's the U.S. Challenge Condition Champion. Bray Wyatt had two runs as the Universal Champion this year. FTR had a brief run with the AEW Tag Belts. They're doing damn good. And Switchblade Jay White back in the mix again. And of course, Roman, the number one heel in the industry. He earned it. I'm still not a supporter, still not a fan of that dude, but he's definitely earned that shit. So you got to give props to that. Whereas with Naito, Hiromu, Okada, and Moxley are the top baby faces. Top baby faces. Naito and Hiromu definitely holding things down for LIJ. Okada going through this uh, big feud right now with Will Ospreay in the um, kingdom. And John Moxley, of course. Um, looking to perhaps recapture the AEW World Heavyweight title. See, I didn't see R-E-W. Ha! I see, I said it. And this is a no-brainer first. <clears throat> a no-brainer, guys. Number one, the thing that I love about professional wrestling. New Japan Pro Wrestling leading the pack 
on how to maintain not only their business, but to bring fans in for the shows for the remainder of 2020 and how they were able to operate their business <clears throat> throughout the pandemic. New Japan basically is the model for how professional wrestling should run their business. Yes, they started out doing the empty arena shows. Yes, they started out that way. And in the process, they were building their stars. And in the process, they slowly started bringing the fans back. They did innovative things to have the fans interact with the crowd. They did the social distancing with the social seating. You know, every two seats, a fan was two seats apart from one another. The fans can't cheer. The fans can't yell. The fans can't boo. The fans can use their devices, smartphones. The fans can use, um, they can clap their hands. They can stomp their feet. And they can show their appreciation for the wrestler. The wrestlers are checked every day. The ring is sanitized 15 minutes during intermission for every show. The fans are attending the shows. And that's what matters. And I think that because of this, this is why AEW is thriving. AEW is thriving because they're using that model. They're using a model of what New Japan is doing. They're stationed at the um, Daily's Place. And they are doing a damn good job. Now, WWE... They're using the Thunderdome and they got to create another Thunderdome. And they have this interactive way for the fans could appear on monitors, which is cool. But fans want to come to the arena and they want to watch the show. And I personally believe and I personally think that if WWE is going to look to bring fans back into the arenas, which they're looking to do for the Royal Rumble, they need to follow New Japan's suit of bringing fans in the arena I think they can do this if they look at what New Japan has done for their Kurokan Hall shows the Budokan uh, the Municipal Gyms and so many other places, Meiji Stadium they can do so much WWE can do a lot I just think that they just need to follow the suit on what New Japan is doing. Okay, so now they get ready to do another two-day WrestleMania. They did a two-day WrestleMania this year. Why? New Japan did a two-day Wrestle Kingdom. And those gates were successful for those two days. And they're going to do it again. And I think that's what WWE needs. So yeah, ladies and gentlemen, that's what really matters. We thank you for tuning in for this edition of Wrestlers Who Experience. I am your host, Mark Morell. And going back to what I stated earlier, that... In order for the company to keep doing what they're doing, they just got to keep doing that. I think New Japan has done a pretty decent job. I think that um, WWE is doing a pretty decent job. AEW is doing a pretty decent job. They're all doing good. They had their ups and their downs. And what I would like to see going forward between both companies 
I would like to see them do much, much more. So as 2020 goes out on a close, what I would like to see going forward is people following more of a suit to what everybody else is doing. I think that New Japan is leading the way. And it's not because I'm sounding like I'm biased about the Japanese wrestling, but I mean, there's a bit more strict rules, but it's actually working. And I think that the same thing can work for WWE if they follow it just like that. Same thing with um Impact Wrestling. I think Impact Wrestling can do a couple of things to start safely bringing fans back into the arenas. I think All Elite Wrestling is doing that. They're doing safety measures to bring fans back into the arena. And they just need to do things like that. So again, folks, we thank you for tuning in. If you're listening to us on your favorite streams, Google Podcasts, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Podbeam, CastBox, Deezer, Tuned In, and Podcast Addict, follow me on my social media, market.morel at facebook.com. You can hit up the Real XMK fan page. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at XMNightBuster, Instagram on M double forty four. And you can follow Dietrich Davis on his social medias. Uh team DDOD um at gmail.com for inquiries, questions. If you're looking to be a um sponsor or if you got any questions, you can email Dietrich there. Also, please feel free to hit him up on his social media as well. Um he's on Twitter. And on Facebook as well. So we thank you once again, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to Wrestlers with Experience. I am your host, Mark Morell, one half of the most illustrious tag team in the goddamn galaxy. Prove me different, prove me wrong. If you can't, move aside or get mowed down. Listen, we'll see you guys later. You be good and enjoy your holiday, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>